What's going on, Zero to Hear podcast fans? Welcome back to the show. Tonight's episode, Kristen Carter. If you don't know her name and you love country music, you better check her out. Uh, she is going to blow up. I think she's going to be a big star. She's a phenomenal voice. Really cool getting to know her, uh, local BC kid. She's playing at the Commodore on February 14th, 2020. I'm going to the show with Jojo Mason. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, great conversation. Great getting to know her. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. up on country i did yeah also a lot of other things but i think country was definitely a huge part of my musical education growing up sure. I, I always kind of laugh about it because my mom like vehemently denies that she's a country fan it's like i think on some level it may be a little embarrassing <laughs> for her i don't know why but uh yeah she's like well i don't like country music but i love you know that one album we have and i'm like oh you mean like the 12 albums we have like the <laughs> like the dixie chicks fly and shania twain's come on over and all of those like awesome kind of uh, end of the 90s early 2000 era ones mm -hmm. those for me were really where my love of country grew and uh i think she has to fully admit now that she's a fan of country because i'm in it so mom if you're listening <laughs> i'm making you own up to this <laughs> Yeah. Country for me is like one of the weird genres that either people are completely obsessed with it and rarely listen to anything else, or they will not listen to it at all. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It's weirdly polarizing, and I'm not sure why. I don't know I don't why know. either. Yeah. A lot of my friends that don't like country always talk about three things. They're like, all they talk about in country music is beer and trucks and heartbreak. <laughs> like, that's it. I mean, that definitely is a big <laughs> topic of conversation for sure. Oh, yeah. And that's a lot of the songs that are out there. But I well, just, my response is, and that's why I love it. Yeah, like, totally. Exactly. Totally. It's I, real life. It like, really is. I can't really, growing up in Greater Vancouver, I can't really relate to a lot of the hip hop and rap music. Yeah. I'm like an average white dude and grew up <laughs> pretty privileged in Vancouver. Like, yeah, that's not our upbringing at all. But like trucks and beer, that's like that bring. Yeah, it's relatable. I think a lot of country music specifically, too, has just such a an emotive way of speaking to people. And mm. that's one of the things I love about it the most, because it doesn't matter whether it's about, you know, just like smashing beer cans with your friends um, or driving around in your truck on a dirt road somewhere. Or it's an absolutely breathtaking heartbreak anthem that takes your breath away and leaves you speechless. You know, I think a country has that diversity. In totally. the genre. And that's one of the things that I love most about it because there's a lot of room. There's a lot of flexibility. Um, and for me, one of the things that's really important when I'm singing and making music is that I really want to make people feel something. And I think that if you can make people feel anything at all, just excitement or just having a good time, that's a feeling on its own. I think sometimes that gets a bit of a bad rep, like it's considered maybe a little bit like shallow even, that it's just, you know, it's a bit surface level. But I think sure. that's that's a genuine feeling on its own. And it's fun to experience that. And I think that Country does a really good job of just kind of having a lot of really fun, celebratory music that makes people feel excited and alive. And, and it also has some incredible, dark, sad music as well. So it's, it's, it's an interesting genre for sure. I feel like a lot of the stars, even the people that I like listening to, are very relatable and just seem like normal people. Yeah. Like I would love to have a beer with them. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the people in other genres, maybe it's just who I am, but seems like there's a little bit of arrogance or just like it would, you don't get the same personality coming through. Yeah, maybe not as not as approachable per down se. To earth there's or a lot of stuff. And stuff like that it seems. Yeah, like. for sure. Well, I think that's that's where country music came from, I think, was from families and experiences and um, people's everyday life truly. Um, it was what people are writing about and it still is what people are writing about. And that may have, you know, changed slightly over the years, but I think it it really just harkens back to everyday life of everyday people and what everyday people go through. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a really beautiful thing totally. what country can do. Is there anybody out there right now that you kind of look up to or inspires you to, whether it be writing or your style or whatever? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, someone who I've been listening to a lot recently is uh, Ingrid Andrus. Oh. Um, she, yeah, she's a writer out of Nashville and she's, uh, she just released an album and she just has this beautiful way of crafting her writing into um, taking really kind of simple moments with family um, that just convey these really heavy emotions. And she puts it together with a hook that's just really 
like beautifully simplistic. I almost hesitate to say simplistic because I don't want to give it a negative connotation at all because I think it's just the way that it's crafted is so well done that it's just, it just hits you right here because it's, it's really, yeah, it just really connects with you right away because it just speaks to you so clearly and so vividly. And uh, her music is just really incredible. And I'm super excited to see all the stuff that that she's going to come out with and and continue to come out with. And, you know, she plays piano and she's also really funny and has great style. So all of that helps as well. But, yeah, I'm really excited to see where she goes. And um, I'm excited to have her release more music that I can listen to and be inspired by because what she's coming out with so far is really great. Cool. Anybody else? I don't know her. Really? You should no, look her up. I will. Yeah. Ingrid Andrews? Ingrid Andres. Andres. Andres, yeah. Hmm. Some other people. Like Lori McKenna. Lori McKenna always gets me when I listen to her. Like she just writes these amazing, amazing songs that I think just touch people's hearts right away. And she's been behind some of the biggest songs of the past 10 years or so. And and her solo albums as well are are incredible. And uh I think she has a lot of the sim- same things that I, I hear in in Ingrid's work. It's just uh it just speaks to you so clearly. And I really love that. We were we went um, to Nashville last year, and we're lucky enough to see her in a writers round. And uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of a lot of glistening eyes <laughs> listening to her. And I just think that some people just have that thing, you know, totally. just that thing where you can feel them speaking to you from a place um, inside themselves uh, with their emotions and conveying what they want to say, just in a way that really connects with people. And that's something that I really look up to as a writer because I think that that's a really difficult thing to do. It's really easy to write a super bad song. It's really hard to write a really good song that connects with people. It's tough. At least I, I guess I can only speak for myself. It is for me. I have a journal full of really bad songs. <laughs> so. Have you, I guess now you're starting to meet a lot of those people that you really look up to. Anything surprising about those introductions or like even just who those people are compared to what you see on the screen? Yeah, I think people are, you know, just at the end of the day are just people like yeah. you who are excited about what they're doing and, and who have the same fears about what they're doing that you do. And, mm. and uh, you can learn a lot. Um, and I've been really lucky because I've been exposed to a lot of people in my community that that have been really successful and that I can learn a lot from. And for me, that's always been a really important part of the process is to be, you know, constantly looking at it and thinking about, you know, how, how can I expand on what I'm doing now um, and, and get better all the time? One of my favorite quotes or pieces of advice I ever got was get better at getting better. Mm. So just constantly work to keep getting better like you're never done. Um, and having those people around me and so close to me that I can rely on and, and ask questions to and, re- and get some good experience from is, is a really lucky position to be in. So, yeah. And I think, again, you know, talking about what we mentioned earlier, uh, they're all really approachable. <laughs> you know, they were all just everyday people who came from, you know, places like Dallas, for example, who's my management and, and also on my label, um, grew up in Langley and I went to school in Langley. So, you know, it's not far off necessarily from, you know, where we came from. And, and it's, that's a really cool thing to be able to connect. I was saying, uh, I was saying to Jojo last night, Dallas is probably my favorite person I've ever seen live. Really? The way that he interacts with the crowd is like something that I've never seen before. Yeah. He was so good. He was at Sunfest, mm-hmm. which was like 40,000 people. So it's not like it's an intimate room. Yeah. But he was so good at interacting with people. And I think that is even like I really I'm a big fan of his music. Yeah. But that to me really stood out. And I think that's probably what pushes you from like a pretty good artist to like next level kind of stuff, right? People just remember you for that stuff. Oh yeah. It's all about connecting with people. And he is really good at that. Mm -hmm. Was it Sunfest like two years ago? Yeah. He's coming back this year. I'm so Yeah. Did you see, um, so I was, I was at Sunfest with Dallas two years ago, um, when I came out and sang the duet with him, like halfway through his set. I don't know if you remember. That was you? Yeah, it was me. (laughs) I was so nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Man. Yeah. Now that you say it, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. That's so crazy. It's my favorite video on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, it was nuts because I uh, that was one of the very first times I'd ever used in-ear monitors. Okay. And uh, I really loved it. Just everyone was staring at me like, you got your in-ears? And I'm just like, yep. And I didn't want anyone <laughs> to know that I had really no idea how to use those at all. I actually only two weeks ago figured out you could change the little um, 
piece that actually goes into your ear to make it fit better changed my world. I was thinking, I was like, why are people using these things? They're so stressful and they're never like, they're always coming out of my ear halfway through the set. Anyways. And uh, yeah, so I had the in-ears in and um, if you have like really good ones with a good seal on them, you can't really hear anything outside other than what's coming through your monitor. You get a little bit, but not a ton. And so for someone who had never performed in many, in front of many people at all solo, to being asked to, you know, come and sing with him. And, and that was, you know, to sing with him on its own was an incredible opportunity that made me super nervous. Um, but then in front of like a 40,000 person crowd, right? And then with these things in my ears, I didn't know how to use. And uh, so I just kind of walk out there and I can hear the song and it was had like a count-in and a metronome. And it's like, duh, 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 go. And then just like, <laughs> I just like get ready and kind of like walk out and you can't hear the crowd because the the seal is on, right? So yeah. all I can hear is the other instruments and stuff. And so he goes like, Chris and Carter! And then like kind of beckons to me and then I just like start singing and I just looked up and I call, I kind of for myself, I call it singing to God because all you can see is like a light <laughs> and I'm just like, this must be what it looks like before you die. <laughs> like, you know, I can't think of anything else to compare it to. But anyway, so I just look up and I do like the first line of the thing and I can't hear anything. So I'm just like, oh man, I'm sucking. Like I can't hear anyone like say anything. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm doing a good job, but I'm just like, okay, ah, screw it. I'll just enjoy it. Right. So we're just having fun. And we're kind of like walking around and these people are like putting their hands up beside the, uh, the catwalk to like, to like, I don't know, like what they, do you want to like shake my hand or like, should I introduce myself? <laughs> like, I don't know how to, what to do. And then, uh, yeah. And then I walked off stage and my friend um, sent me a video and he's like, he's like, oh, listen to the people. And then and then I played the song and I and there's this one of my favorite moments and memories is watching that clip for the first time, because then I do my first line and it's like kind of like nothing from the crowd. And then I finish that first line and you hear this little swell of woo. And I'm just like, OK, people liked it. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> or what hopefully song it was sing? good. Uh, one Drink Ago. OK. It was his duet with Terry Clark. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I didn't know that was you. That's yeah, funny. There you go. <laughs> what I've always wondered what is playing in those ear monitors. Yeah. What do you hear? So I didn't know they like are basically noise canceling. They can be. Yeah. yeah if you have really good ones. Um, so it depends. It, you get a mix of whatever you want, essentially, whatever's coming through. So you can have like your guitar feed directly into that. You can have your vocal feed directly into that. Um, sometimes it can get really high tech and you can have like a room mic so you can get the sound of the crowd, okay. like just a mic somewhere in the room so you can get the sound of people and stuff. And that's really good for if you're interacting with the crowd a lot. I'm, so I've heard I've never had one, but uh, yeah. And you just, you kind of get a mix of that in your ear. And then also if you have any tracks, it'll have a metronome and it'll kind of count it in. And um, on all my tracks is uh, my producer, Scott. And so it's kind of, it's, I find it kind of funny sometimes, like no offense, Scott, when he, uh, he counts <laughs> it in, he'll be, he'll be like, um, and sometimes he doesn't say the full name of the song. Like I have a, I have a song called Give Me Something I Can Dance To, which is a very long title. So I don't blame him, but he'll just go, give me something. One, two, three, four, and then count it in like that. It's just kind of funny to hear his voice randomly on stage and everybody gets it gets it fed in and then yeah that that'll count everybody in and then usually the usually like the drummer is the one who's who's running that and yeah you kind of mix it how you like and there's a bunch of apps you can connect it through with an app and just kind of adjust it so if you're having any problems mid-set or something like that you can just open your cell phone and try and figure it out i usually don't touch it i get too worried about messing it up or something you know weird huh why do people take them out sometimes during shows uh to hear yourself you you sound different coming through the monitor than you do how you just hear yourself normally. So I think that's that's probably what it is. Sometimes like I'll record with one one ear off and one ear on. It's just preference, really. Huh. Do you know that, Carl? It's probably just like you listening to yourself when you're podcasting, <laughs> like when we use he headsets, right? It's the same thing. Can you uh, what do you call it? Call me in next time we start a podcast. <laughs> Like zero to hear podcast one two three four go. There's no late latency though when like there's no feedback there's no. nothing right. Does, does yeah. that take a little bit to get used to? Yeah, it does. And uh, actually, after that Sunfest performance, um, I bought a cable which is broken at the moment. I'm super bummed, but uh, a cable to connect my mic to my laptop so I could start practicing with my headphones on and just hearing my voice through the microphone uh, coming straight into into the headphones because yeah it, it throws you off because you're just like whoa and then you're you're also a little bit distracted or I found for myself it's just a little bit distracting because you're you're like oh I'm listening to myself but also I'm trying to focus and do a good job oh, yeah. am, I, am I in time I don't know <laughs> it starts to get a little bit disorienting I don't maybe I'm just really brutal at it who knows but uh, I practice with that a lot and that also helps me with uh, learning how to sing on pitch and and um, 
making sure that, you know, my my voice is going where I want it to go and then I can hear it directly. And sometimes I'll record myself and, and you know, punish myself with listening to it over and over to try and get it good. And, you know, it's it's as cringy for me as I'm sure anyone else sometimes listening to your own recording <laughs> back. Like it's just, it's something, I, I sound completely different in my head than, than I sound out loud. So sometimes I'm just like, is that really what I sound like? Totally. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Are you over that or do you still think it sounds weird? I'm over the singing. I'm not over the talking. I'm not over the talking, but I am over the singing now. Yeah, because I've heard it so many times. Even when I started doing this like a a little over a year ago, the first few were so awkward to listen to. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Because I've, like, with real estate, I've done a lot of video and stuff like that. Yeah. So you see yourself and hear yourself. But for some reason, the podcast was different. And listening back to conversations sometimes was just so strange. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking that you sound completely different than you actually do. Yeah. Or sometimes yeah. I'll say a word a weird way and I'll be like, is that how I say that on like yeah. a day-to-day basis? Is that how I say that right. word? Oh my God. <laughs> or even, yeah. Even yeah. just hearing the ums and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Why do I, why do I do that? I'm yeah. not nervous. Why am I saying um all the time? I know. Or the amount of times I say like, I feel like, or um, <laughs> to be honest and stuff like that. I had to really call myself out on that within the past year. Cause I think starting a sentence with to be honest implies that every other sentence you say is not honest. <laughs> so I just kind of shut that down, but now it's going to pop out somewhere halfway through this conversation. People will point it out, but uh, I'm, I'm working point, on I'll it. Point it out. I'm trying my best, you guys. I'm trying my best. Was that at the... At the time, I'm assuming that was the biggest crowd you've been in front of? Oh, yeah. Two years ago? Yeah. 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 What was that like? What was the adrenaline like going into that? Uh, Or even just the nerves, like waking up that morning. Yeah, dude, I feel like I blacked out. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I just kind of did it, did the thing, you know? I, uh, yeah, like the part for me that actually is the scariest is right before. So just the anticipation of standing there waiting, be like, okay, it's my turn, it's almost my turn, it's almost my turn. And and I've always really struggled with uh, having big anxiety and mm-hmm. having a really big stage fright. So for me, that was something that uh, was really tough to get over and something that I still struggle with. But um, it's, yeah, it's just one of those moments where you really just kind of have to be brave. And I found that sometimes I, w- I would think to myself, this is like, oh, I don't know if this is a good feeling, you know, like I feel so anxious, like throughout the day, I get so nervous. Sometimes I get so nervous the whole day I can't eat those mm-hmm. kind of things, which really throws you off. Like you want to have a really good performance. But, um, you know, for me, it just, it, it also is a good feeling, I think, because it, it just makes you feel so much more alive than doing other things for me for me. So I don't know if I'm one of those people that enjoys doing scary things. I don't enjoy scary movies <laughs> at all. I cannot sleep. But um, I think those little things that scare you, for me, that's kind of an indication that you're doing something right. And you're you're challenging yourself and you're, you're going for something that's hard to do. Um, and also, I have to remind myself to be a little bit easy on myself because it is absolutely not a natural situation no, to walk out in front not. of 40,000 no. people, right? So sometimes I get down on myself and I'm like, come on, like, well, again, you just stop being nervous. Like you can go out there and you just do it. Like, what's the big deal? And I'll kind of get in my head about it, but then I'll be like, no, no, I think it's okay to feel a little scared about that because that is not an average everyday thing. You know, maybe if it was a normal everyday life thing and I was getting worried about it, then I would have to, you know, take some action. But I think, uh, yeah, those kind of things, I, I think I have to go a little bit easier on myself. And it gets easier. That definitely, going from like choir, we have 40 other totally. powerful voices beside you. So great. And then <laughs> to go out and literally, it literally feels like kind of like being naked a little bit because you're just so <laughs> vulnerable and exposed and you're like, oh God, I hope I don't mess it up. Uh, so it's, I'm getting used to it. And and it's something that as you keep performing and as you keep going out there, it it every time I feel it gets a little bit easier and I'm not quite as nervous. Um, so doing things like little acoustic shows that used to really freak me out too. Those ones I find equally as freaky because you can see whether people like it or not. <laughs> it's like right on their face. Yeah. Right. So, uh, that, that can be really intimidating in those rooms. Uh, but I've had enough times now, enough dinner parties where my parents have been like, Kristen's a singer and then getting, you know, and you just have to like nervously stand up and be like, okay. And then of course, then you always go like, well, what song do you want me to sing? And then they go, anyone you want. And then I have an absolute dead brain moment where I'm like, do I know any music? I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't think of anything. Uh, but those ones, yeah, it's just, uh, they get that as time moves forward and, you know, as you kind of get your bearings with it. And also practice is a huge thing for me. I practice a lot. So that, that helps to calm my anxiety because then I feel like at that moment, it's like, was there anything else I could have put into this that would possibly make it better? Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe I, there's other, there's always something you could do, but did, the, did I do the best that I possibly could? Um, and if the answer for me is yes, then at that point, you kind of just have to let it go. And sometimes you forget words and sometimes things happen, but it doesn't happen often. Um, 
not as often as my brain would like to tell me it does. <laughs> so yeah, have it can you, be scary. Have you developed some sort of like pregame routine for the morning of a big show or something like that? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I don't have caffeine. I usually cut out caffeine about maybe two weeks before a show. Um, because, wow, that long, hey? Yeah. And I don't know if that's superstitious or not. <laughs> like, I'm not sure, but I just... I feel as though caffeine lives a little bit in your system for a little while. Mm. And so for me personally, I've just found about two weeks before, stop having coffee, stop having espressos, which is really hard because I really like coffee. <laughs> so that's a bummer. But I do that. And then I also, I don't drink for about two weeks before as well. Um, and that's something that's not too difficult for me. Like I, I enjoy wine and, and beer and stuff like that, but it's it's not something that um, I do on a super regular basis, usually kind of at dinner parties or things like that. So it's um, that one's a little not not as difficult, maybe, um, as it might seem. But sometimes every now and then you'll get like, you know, you'll be like, oh, it'd be nice to have like glass on with this dinner. And you're like, oh, can't. And I think that one's mostly superstition for me. Uh, but I just find that alcohol really dries out my voice. So I don't want that to be a problem. So I just don't. Totally. Yeah. But not super I, hard and fast, though. Like every now and then I'll just have like, I won't, I'll cheat or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any like day of stuff? Mm-hmm. Is it a lot of obviously warming up and practice and stuff like that, but anything to like calm the nerves or, you know, like Luke Combs likes to have a few shots of whiskey before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously that's not you. Yeah, no, that's definitely not me. Maybe I need a shot. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, right? I should doing it backwards. No, I don't know if there's anything specific on the day of that I do. Um, I try to, unless like can, you can think of anything. I don't know. No, not really. I just... Yeah, I try and get in a good headspace. I'll try and use up some of the nervous energy. So maybe every now and then I've gone for a run or exercised or something. And uh, I just show up and kind of sit there and be nervous, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How did you start the solo career? Where did that kind of begin? Yeah. So for me... Did it start writing? I guess, yeah. I guess you yeah. could say that. Yeah. So how the solo career developed for me was pretty organic. It came from just my whole life. I was, I was in choirs ever since I was five years old. I was singing in choir and at school and I just loved that. I loved singing around all my friends and being able to make music with all my friends and um, even the, the compositions. And, and to this day, I, I enjoy listening to choir music like it's on my iPod. I love that. Mm -hmm. And that was my experience with music for most of my entire life. Um, all the way up through school and all the way through university as well. I sang with a choir when I was at uh, Dalhousie in Halifax. Um, mm, called went to Dalhousie. Did well, you really? No, no, we didn't go to Dalhousie. Oh. We we played basketball together in high school. Oh, sweet. And we had a tournament at Dalhousie when we were like 15, probably. Right, Carl? 15? That's exactly. U15 provincial team. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no worries. Yeah, that was a great school. I had an awesome time there. Uh, and I sang with a choir there called uh, Zara Choral Theater. Okay. And they were super cool and they're still super cool. Like they're, they're killing it. They do, uh, they take existing choir pieces and they, they make it into a show and they write a whole show around it. So we had like costumes and makeup and it was not your average choir for sure. And I loved having that community too. Cause it was just all these people from Halifax and I was away from home and I didn't know anyone. And so right away it felt like I had this family in this totally. community that I loved. Uh, but yeah, I did that. And then I got a job, um, before I graduated school, my uh, I have a degree in economics, so I was moving into a job in finance, or that's that's the job that I had got at the time. And I came back, and and I felt really great about that. Like I was super excited to start my job, and um, you know, a lot of people coming out of school at that time. I'm not sure how it is for the kids graduating like right now, but at that time, it was like really difficult totally. to get a job, and so I I felt super lucky, and I was really excited, and. And I had this huge commute because I was trying to save a little bit of money, you know, like it's expensive. So I went and lived with my mom in White Rock and I had about an hour and a half commute from White Rock to uh, um, like the Burnaby area, actually. And there's not great buses in between there. So there was a lot of transfers. So it was really long. It was about yeah. an hour and a half each way in and out. And I couldn't fit choir in anymore because I didn't have time. It was just, yeah, I was working this job and the job was in finance and finance has kind of crazy hours, really unpredictable hours. And if anyone's ever been in a choir, you know, that's like rehearsals at this time every week, it doesn't change. <laughs> that's just what it is. And there's no moving it around. So um, that made it really tough. And, and also the commute took up a lot of my time on the tail ends of my day. So couldn't really fit that in. And uh, so I started to get really um, kind of get this feeling of almost sadness because I, I didn't know what was missing. I was like, I have this great job that I really like and with all these great coworkers that I really like. And, um, but it just felt like something was, um, 
for me, just like missing. I was, totally. I felt, I felt the lack of singing. And so I, I kind of put two and two together and I was like, well, I'm not in choir. I loved choir. So why don't I just start doing something musical again? So I brought a journal on the bus with me and I would just sit there an hour and a half in and out and just scribble down little notes and little, <clears throat> little hooks and things that I would hear in my head. And I don't even know if they were fully songs. I think sometimes I was just like little musical doodles, maybe almost. And, and then it started to kind of get a bit more serious. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to put this into a structure and I'm going to kind of string this together and I'm going to write this song about this. And, and um, I'd make a little voice note and then they'd start to get a little bit more complex. And uh, it was actually from the support of friends and family and um, friends and family and people in this room who encouraged me to sing them and record them. And I, of course, I had no idea how to do that. So it felt really scary because I would think like, well, I don't know how people do it. Like, I don't, I didn't know anyone in music. Nobody in my family is even musical. No one plays any musical <laughs> instruments or sings at all. My dad actually took up ukulele. So I should, sorry, I'll, I'll like, I'll read you that my dad recently took up ukulele and it's really sweet. He learns little love songs to play for his girlfriends. Really sweet. Um, but anyways. Were you talking about Carl? People oh. in the room? What's that? No, <laughs> I mean, if he wants to take credit for it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking about uh, my boyfriend, Andrew, <laughs> who's, who's listening in here right now. And uh, yeah, I really didn't know what to do. So I just kind of took a shot in the dark and I was like, well, people who make music record it. So and so I just Googled recording studio. And uh, the one that popped up was in White Rock. And actually the day of they had a huge flood and the whole thing flooded out and they were like, sorry, you can't come in. And oh, I was geez. devastated because I was just all this nervous energy just being like, okay, I'm just going to go. And I had never even really recorded in a studio or on a mic or any of that really. I mean, maybe one or two things in high school, but as a group always usually, um, or with friends or something like that. And so then my sister, she kind of like, I just like went into hysterics and I was like, oh, this is not meant to be like, I shouldn't, I just shouldn't do this. And she just kind of picked up the computer and she Googled other recording studios. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. She's good at like in a crisis. She's really good. And we found a different recording studio um, that day who was like, yeah, you can come in. That's fine. Like, what are you doing? And, and I was just like, I'm recording songs. I wrote obviously, yeah. right? Like really not knowing what's going on. And went in that day and uh, Andrew came with me because he had learned, um, we'd wrote out chords to the songs that I had. I think I had three or four at the time that I was happy with and a lot of that where I thought were not good. And we went in and recorded it um, and then got a little demo made, a little CD. And I, I took this old picture of me and it looks like, now I look at it and I'm like, that's brutal. <laughs> but like at the time I was like, this is sick. Yeah. Like I look so cool. I look so official. Uh, and uh then from there, uh, he went back to school. He was playing school, so he couldn't play guitar for me anymore. So then next up, I was like, okay, well, now I'm guitarless. So I've got to find a guitar player. And so I put out an ad on Craigslist. Amazing. Really? Yeah, true story. Put out an ad on Craigslist. And it literally said, like, hi, I'm Kristen. I want to sing. I write songs. Um, is anybody out there kind of, you know, want to jam? <laughs> that was basically what it was. <laughs> and uh, a really nice guy from uh, who just moved to Langley from Ottawa, his name's Rob Rose, uh, answered the the craigslist dad and uh and we went from wet for coffee and he was like yeah i used to play with bands in ottawa and i just moved here and i'm looking to jam with people he's like this seems cool like you write your own music and i'm like yeah and then we just kind of started like meeting up every now and then every other weekend or something and he would he was really great guitar player is still a really great guitar player and so he would kind of help me put a guitar structure to to my songs which was so awesome because it felt like they were coming to life like I, I just wrote them on the bus with nothing and i don't play guitar and i play piano but very marginally <laughs> so it's uh it was really cool to see it kind of come out of your head almost that's what it felt like at least when he would play the chord on it i'd sit there and i'd be like it's not that one it's not that one that's that one and then he would strum it and i'd be like that's the one because yeah. <laughs> right? i i couldn't describe it i didn't have the language to be able to say it's an a chord or it's an e chord or i still don't have that um ability and then it kind of went from there and then we started, we started jamming with some other people around and then we had, uh, we put together a band and like jokingly would refer to us as the best of Craigslist. And we went <laughs> around and uh, we performed around locally in Vancouver and, and that was, that was so fun and, and it was just a really great time. Um, and we'd perform around places like the Roxy. The Roxy was my first ever live gig. Uh, and I remember being super nervous for that too, but everybody came out, like all my family came and my friends came and, um. It was really exciting. It was it was a really nice moment. And how long ago was that? Do you remember that first time at Roxy? Uh, maybe 2017. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, opening for Nicole Summerlin, who's who's an amazing artist from cool. the Vancouver area as well. Uh, 
And then from there, I we started putting out some stuff on, on social media. So it was all very organic and just learning along the way. I was like, okay, well, I guess, okay, now I've played with a band. So now I need people to hear me. And now I need people to know about me if I want, you know, music and if I want people to come to the show. So then I put out a, a couple covers on YouTube. Um, and those were pretty, pretty big for me because then it, I started to get, um, you know, some more attention from people and um, at the time I was entering contests around locally and that's where I met Sean Austin through a friend of mine who's also on my label. And after putting out some of those covers on YouTube, um, we talked and, and we put out a little cover together on Instagram. Um, and then that's when I got a DM from Dallas Smith and, uh, that kind of <laughs> went into, <laughs> Slightly um, game changing. Yeah, I mean, you know, not a big deal. Like yeah. it was pretty, it was pretty epic, and I definitely ran around like my house or wherever I was and showed everyone who would look. <laughs> definitely, and uh, yeah, and then he just kind of messaged me and he said like, "Hey, you've got a really cool voice, or your voice is really cool, something like that." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, I'm such a big fan. Like, I think you're so great. Like, just really <laughs> embarrassing. I can't hold it together in front of people that I admire. I really can't. It's not something I'm good at at all. I have a really embarrassing story about Alan Doyle, actually." Uh, <laughs> another time <laughs> but uh I mean we can ask it later oh god I'm, I regret saying that out loud um <laughs> where was I yeah Dal Smith so um then he followed me on Instagram and then I started putting out more and more covers more and more little videos trying to get out there and entering things around town and I continued to write and um and then yeah that that kind of snowballed a little bit and then and then ended up uh working with them and, and signing a record deal with them earlier this year and uh that's been amazing and been so great and then released Karma this Huge year. Huge congrats, by the way. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thanks mm -hmm. so much. Yeah, it's been really exciting to have something out there for people. Because that for a long time, too, was something when people would kind of complain about. They'd be like, well, you're not on Spotify. Like, I can't find you. Or you're not on Apple Music or any of the streaming services. And I'd be like, just wait, just wait, just wait. Right? Because I really wanted it to be a really exciting release with, you know, at the right time with a great song. And uh, be something that I was really excited to show people. So I made everybody wait. When I say everybody, I mean my friends and family. <laughs> and yeah, put that out. And and since then, I've been really introduced to kind of the, I guess, the solo game scene. Um, totally. But truly was just like a choir girl who was trying to figure it out <laughs> for a few years uh, and just trying my best. And, um, and it, I've been really, really lucky. Um, a lot of really great lucky opportunities um, and a lot of hard work. So that's kind of got to me for or to where I am right now. You got to be good to be lucky, though. So <laughs> I know a lot of people say, oh, I was just lucky. I got this big break or whatever. But if you're not good, if you're not talented, you're not getting lucky, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess there's maybe some truth to that for sure. Jojo and I were talking about your voice yesterday. Oh, yeah. It was pretty funny. Oh. I think he, uh, we were like, who does she sound like? Or who's like very comparable in like another genre? Mm. Do you take compliments well or no? Yes, I, not, I love should compliments. Should I not say these things? No, I love compliments. We're like Ariana Grande. I love her. And he, he's like, I think Kristen's better. <gasps> he's I'm offended fan. on behalf of Ariana Grande because I love her. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm also very flattered at the same time. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> but that's really, really amazing. I love her so much. I totally. think she's great. Yeah, just an epic voice. What she does is so cool. And just really come into her own within the past year. Those records that she put out were mm -hmm. so fun. And uh, very just self-explanatory, I think, in a really confident way, mm. in a really cool way. So that's a really cool compliment. Thank you, Jojo. This is a very unique voice, right? Like, no one mm. is really like her. Yeah, she's got, like, this upper range that's very buttery and just, like, mm. she runs through all the different notes so effortlessly and, and sings really high. Like, her songs are really high. I have a, a hard time sometimes covering her voice, and I have a really high range. So that's... Um, I think yeah, saying something maybe about Ariana Grande. She's got because we were trying yeah, we were end. trying to find like country people, and there's there's country women who have big voices, like yeah. Carrie, or you could name a few. But they're different. Yeah, and that's what he was saying about you. He's, he's like Kristen is just, Kristen is just different, oh. and I, he's pretty pumped to nice. be like to be involved like around you and get to know you and just kind of see the upbringing. And that's so cool. I really love mm -hmm. Jojo and I think what he's, he's doing is so dude, great right? too. Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy and an excellent artist. Like he's mm -hmm. got a, one of those really emotive voices that I was talking about earlier. One of those people that just kind of touches right to your soul and um, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. And so that, that, that makes me, that means a lot to me that yeah. he says that. That's great. Do you remember as karma came out, when did karma come out? The summer? No, uh, end of October. Oh, was that recent? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the morning that it came out? 
I just imagine like as your very first big song, yeah. there's probably a lot of anticipation. Yeah. And it comes out and you're like, shit, what if no one? What if nobody cares? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. You have completely like crippling self-doubt all right? the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the job. <laughs> You're like Dallas messaged me. I got to yeah. perform. All this, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No one. And, and you know, as wonderful as some of those, like, I feel so blessed to have Dallas be saying like these amazing things about me. Like sometimes he puts stuff out and he's just like, this is so like, you guys got to see this. And he'll say these absolutely complimentary things. But I'm like, okay, now I got to live up to that. Yeah. Right. Like when you go around, it's like, holy smokes. Right. You don't want to like, you know, totally blow it and then have it be like, well, he wasn't right. Right. <laughs> anyway. But uh, I guess that's pressure I put on myself. Yeah. The morning of, well, it went out to streaming before it went out to radio. So there was kind of two okay. mornings. And the the one when it went out to streaming, um, I just remember being just really excited because I think at that point I had heard it so much and I had just been like, well, it just is what it is. It's going to do what it's going to do. And hopefully people are out there who want to listen to it and I hope it finds them. And it had it kind of come in this whirlwind of other firsts for me, like we filmed a music video. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing there. So it was just like, is this cool? Is this weird? And I have a bit of a weird creative side to me, I think. So it's like, I like when I sent the, uh, oh, what's the word for it now? The creative brief to the directors and the producers that we were working with. I just wrote like this, reading it now. I'm just like, oh, you're so weird. When I read it, it was like, um, it was like big, red, flowy dress, Carmen Sandiego vibes. And like, and I'm just like, I, what were they supposed to interpret from that? I don't know. But I think I'm super happy with the video and, and how it turned out. But yeah, it's a lot of kind of me terrorizing men at a poker game in a giant, amazing custom outfit. And I just, you know... It's a film noir weird thing and it is what it is and I love it and it's just really kind of cool and I never imagined I would do a music video. That's until it was like, hey, we're doing a video for this. And I was like, oh, like, of course, like you're putting on a song. So like you need a visual with it. Makes sense. Um, But yeah, it's just things that you don't imagine really kind of happening. And then and then all of a sudden they happen. And uh, and so, yeah, when the when the when the morning happened, when we're putting it out, I just think a lot of. yeah, a lot of stakes. I guess you feel like the the weight of that, the gravity of that, of all the work that you've put in and then all the work that your team has put in. Because yeah. for every ounce of effort that I put in, there's like a million pounds of effort from the people behind me who are mm-hmm. championing me. And I'm so grateful for them because it just takes an absolute village to get this off the ground and get, you know, get it to the people who uh, can get it to the people and get it out there and, and make it happen. So, um, you know, I had thoughts in my head I'm like you know I really don't want to let them down and I and I hope that that doesn't happen and you know but I think there's a point where you kind of have to let it go and you kind of have to let it live and let it let it be what it was and I also have an incredible group of friends that will just absolutely like rally champion you 100% like they don't care if they like it they're just gonna like blast it to their social media so I definitely called in all of the recruits and I had everybody posting on that day to make sure it was out there whether they liked it or not. So shout out to the friends of the world because I don't deserve you. They they really helped. And and then, yeah, that uh, that went and, and then it started to go up and up and up in streams. And then it, we started to get um, the radio ads. So I got a really exciting thing happened to me and I was the... Um, the uh, iHeartRadio future star for the months of November and December, which meant that I got added to all of those stations that were associated with um, with that. And uh, so then I was most added um, Canadian artist, I believe, the first week it came out, um, all genre. I really hope I got that stat right. I don't want to quote something <laughs> wrong, but it's on my it's on my Instagram, so I can double check. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. And then. I went out on my radio tour and then went to the East and started going to all the stations out there and meeting all these people out there. And then, and then slowly got some more ads and some more ads and it kind of floated all the way up to, I think 23 is where we're at today. So I never imagined it would really even crack top 40. I just felt like, you know, you always kind of maybe want to set your expectations lower just in case. Um, But people really liked it and the response has been really incredible. And I think a lot of what people have been saying is that it, it's really unapologetic and just kind of hits you right away. Like it's it's not a soft song. It's not an easy listening song. Um, and it's not really like what is also being put out. So I think that that risk um, paid off and I think people will appreciate it. Uh, and uh, some people don't. Like every now and then you'll get a comment. They're like, what is this? This is not country. And they'll, you'll just get like, make someone really upset for like an hour on YouTube or something. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, like I have to say like 99% of at least the people that reach out to me have been really 
awesome and gracious and just telling me these amazing things about how much they how much they like it and, and what they think about it and um you know how much and for my friends who live across Canada because I was lucky to go to school abroad or in abroad within Canada in uh, you know to the Maritimes <laughs> the country of the Maritimes oh geez uh, but I have friends kind of scattered all across the country because a lot of people come from different provinces who go to Dal and so in every province I have my friend screenshotted it first day in St. John New Brunswick and she's like oh my god like you're on the radio and I think she she was in the math program so we took a lot of like calc courses together and stuff and that's just really cool just these these people kind of coming out of the woodwork sending you photos of them in their car like jamming to your song right, right? it's it's yeah. kind of unreal um yeah how did that song start? Because you wrote it with Marin Morris? No, actually, I didn't write it. Um, it was pitched to me. So Marin okay. did co-write it, oh, but did. not okay. with me. Okay. Yeah. So that that was an interesting thing, too, because I had up till then had been writing all of my own stuff. Mm. Uh, and that pitch came across to me. And first of all, I was like, I, I couldn't believe like the writer list. It was so it's Marin Morris, Sarah Buxton and Jesse Frazier. Mm. Um, and if anyone wants to take a second and Google those names, like the list of hits that they have are incredible. So that the fact that anything came across me with their names on it, first of all, was shocking to me. Uh, but then listening to it and hearing it, it just connected with me right away on on that level, on the ener- like the energy being so high, the lyrics being unapologetic, the theme being kind of fun um, in kind of a like a cheeky way almost. Uh, and just like the up-tempo like drive of the song mm-hmm. really spoke to me. And it was something that I knew as an artist coming out with their first song really resonated with a lot of the things that um, that I wanted to come out with as an artist and how I wanted people to identify with me. So then we asked if we could record it. And then I was really lucky for her to say yes, or are there teams, sorry, they're their publishing teams to get permission. We got permission to record it. And, uh, and yeah, cut that bad boy and uh, now it's out on country radio. So how does that process work? Like, how does it get pitched to you? How do you find them? Or how do they find you? Or I would love to work? say I knew, but it's kind of like it comes through Scott okay. a lot of the time. So we'll, uh, you can go to pitch meetings as well. Like sometimes I'll, um, during CCMA week, we'll sit down with people that will be representatives of the publishing companies and they'll play you a catalog of songs that they that they think would be really good for your voice. Um, Cassie Peterson being one of those. She's amazing. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is, is people reach out. So Scott has... Um, you know, contacts, different contacts that'll send uh, information to him or, or pitch him different songs. And then that kind of comes down through to me. And then we all talk about it and we talk about which ones that we're excited about and then kind of, you know, narrow it down from there. Interesting. That's something the public definitely doesn't understand, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people just hear songs on the radio and they assume that like, you know, whoever's singing it is the writer. Is, yeah. You know. <clears throat> There's a lot of actually a lot of people that cut other people's songs. Um, and a lot in country because country still really lives and breathes for the songwriter, I think, at its foundation. So that's why there's a living, working city called Nashville, which is just full of songwriters, totally. right? Yeah, it's, it's I think, at the, at the bones of what country music is, it's about the song. Totally. So I think that, that really inspires a lot of writers and, and why that process is still super strong in, in country music. I can't speak for other genres, actually, so I shouldn't say like specifically for country, but in my experience with country... It's definitely a foundation for sure. Totally. As a new artist, how, like, is there a lot of game planning involved? Is Scott a manager? Like, what is, what do you title him as? Uh, Yeah, so he's my producer and he also manages as well. Is there a lot of game plan talk in terms of, like, how to get exposure? How many songs you want to do this year? Do you want to do more touring around this single that you just released? Or, like, basically exposure question. Like, how do you get exposure in those first couple of years? Yeah, I think it's it's tough. It's it's really tricky to figure out and always changes with, you know, formats changing and just the times changing really in the way that people experience their music as well, right? Like there's a huge shift in music within the past 10 years um, to, you know, a lot of music moved into digital spaces. And so and even like on Instagram or on YouTube and those those places that didn't really have like a huge presence before are now really impactful. Sure in order to get out there. And I think a lot of that discussion happens um, amongst the team that I work with um, and with me. And it, it's always kind of an evolving process. So a lot of things kind of change constantly, but we're always, you know, keeping the, the goals in mind of, you know, <clears throat> putting out really good music that we're all really proud of. And I think at, at its core, that's what's important. And that's, I think, what will connect with people and what will gain you the exposure is just, you know, having a really strong song that speaks to people. 
and then having people hear it. And there's different, you know, outlets and, you know, doing things like the radio tour and stuff and going out and meeting people and just getting yourself out there is all really important. But I think, you know, it's 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 all about the song. At least that's how I feel about it. It's right. all about how good the song is and, and what, what you have to show to people. Seems like some people are are more interested in like quantity and they're like, let's try to get 14 songs out this year. And hopefully mm-hmm. one of them is like, is a banger. Yeah. Whereas it sounds almost like you, the opposite of saying like, I want to spend a ton of time making this as perfect as it can be so that my exposure comes through like being super good rather than, oh, one of them is not bad out of 14. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I hope for. And I think that comes from having, you know, I think what my friend's, and family would describe as as a perfectionist personality. Mm-hmm. I've always, even in school and, and things that I was doing, <clears throat> it was always something that I really, you know, took to heart when I when I was working on anything, anything that was important to me. I wanted to make sure it was the best it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And and that for me is really held strong in my music. And I, I spend a lot of time, you know, um, redoing things or thinking about things in a different way or or studying or practicing or working with a vocal coach and things because I just really really want it to be perfect. And sometimes that's hard because it's like, where's the finish line with that, right? It's never going to be perfect. Uh, And I had an amazing economics professor one time tell me that uh, she said, if you are waiting for the perfect data, you'll never make a study. So I think like that's totally not related to music, but I think you can kind of, I apply that to a lot of other things in my life that it's, it's, it's worth it to try to get the best that you can, but you always, you should always put something out or try in the end, even if it's not perfect, because otherwise you'll never put anything out or you'll never release music. So I try to get it to a point where, where I love it absolutely. And there's always little things maybe that, you know, I'll pick up myself or, or things that I might want different, but I think, yeah, you get it to a place where you're just in love with it as much as you can and then hope that everybody else loves it too. Is there ever such thing as perfection though? I don't know. Like I say this line in my head all the time. It kind of goes back to what you were saying before, but in in my head, it sounds negative, but it makes sense for me. It's, um, no one really knows what they're doing. We're all just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So what that means to me is that no matter what step of the career you're at, whether you're starting, whether you're Luke Combs, whether you're Tim McGraw, like <clears throat> everyone, they're all still trying to improve, right? Yeah. They're trying to get better. They're trying to write better. They're trying to promote better. They're, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So it's just like, for me, it's just this like constant ladder that doesn't have a finish line called perfection. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I could definitely learn to probably get over eventually because I don't know <laughs> if that if that perfection exists. Although sometimes I'll hear, I think it's all within yourself a little bit too, because I'll hear other artists' pieces and their work and I'll listen to it. And I was like, that is a like swear word, perfect <laughs> song. Right? Like I'm like, that is what I need in my life. So I think sometimes it's just a little bit of being hard on hard on yourself too, right? When it's your own thing, you're just biased too. Like, you know, you never know if it's done or you don't know. But then when I hear someone else's song, I sometimes think like, did they think it was perfect? I wonder if there was a little vocal moment in there that maybe they weren't happy with or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe some little thing that might still bug them or whatever. But to me, it sounds like perfection. Totally. So I guess it's all, you know, it's all relative to who's listening. Yeah. What does like a normal week look like? For me? Yeah. Is there is there like days, weeks off where you're not singing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, obviously I don't understand the voice very well. (laughs) So like for athletes, like they have an off season. Yeah. It seems like musicians, a lot of the time it's just like, it's like a year round thing. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's, there's no off season like the NFL or whatever. Totally. Yeah. One person once described to me, uh, if you're in music, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. (laughs) It's just, you know, you're working all the time and whenever you can. And if you get an email, like you're answering it or you're trying to figure it out and, you know, at any hour of the night, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's, a, for me, singing a little bit for, for me and, and my body and my voice, I find that it's a little bit like riding a bike. Like I'll always remember how to do it, but if I'm not doing it consistently, mm-hmm. I will definitely start singing and be like, man, I suck today. Like this is not good. <laughs> like I need to keep going. So I find the more often I do it and I'll try, try to do like an, at least an hour a day just of songs I just like to sing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm doing scales or anything like super intense like that or, or doing any particular study, but I'll I'll kind of put on a karaoke track and sing through that mic that I was talking about, although my cable's broken right now, so I haven't been able to, <laughs> but uh, through my computer and just sing kind of these, I love to do like big diva ballads and I love to just challenge myself to try and do like, I don't know, like Mariah Carey or something like that. Um, so I try and do a little bit of that because then I think it keeps me really consistent. 
Uh, but I mean, some people are just really good at that. Like they don't need to, and they'll just show up and have like an amazing performance. But for me, I've found it. It's yeah. Consistency is really key. So I'm always, you know, I guess if you want to compare it to sports, like I'm training in the off season yeah. <laughs> all the time and making sure that I'm ready when, when the season hits, which would, I guess would be like a performance, mm-hmm. um, and do, learning to deal with different elements too. Cause singing and you're, when you're completely at a relaxed state feels very different than when you're singing at a really nervous level um or even just with the adrenaline like even if you're not nervous and you're just or even if you're just in a dry room like you you enter a room and all of a sudden your voice feels like sandpaper and you're like well here we go like i guess here it is and you try your best but yeah trying to deal with those elements and and figure out how to navigate them is something that i try and do Uh, but i guess a typical week for me is um I work part-time at my friend's uh, leather warehouse downtown in Vancouver. Okay, cool. Yeah, called Lonsdale Leather. Shout out Lonsdale Leather. <laughs> and uh, that's been really fun. So so I work part-time there. And then uh, a lot of the other days are spent doing um, stuff to build towards music. So I'll be like recording or um, I like, I make a lot of my outfits that I wear. So those take actually like a, quite a long time. <laughs> so I'll spend a lot of times like we were actually at, um, I call her my rhinestone lady. There's a, this lovely, lovely lady who lives out in Coquitlam and she, she services all of the gymnasts and all of the ice skaters in the lower <laughs> mainland and me. And uh, yeah. And Kristen Carter <laughs> and gets her all her rhinestone needs. Uh, so we were there today actually picking out different ones and she always loves it. Cause it's, it's kind of fun. And we sit there and she'll like put different ones up to the light and we'll like kind of like, ooh, and ah over how sparkly it is or not uh so a lot of that and and uh, this jacket that I'm wearing too like that took um I think I went through a whole season of Dairy Girls on Netflix (laughs) this one took at least a whole season to do because I I stitched them all on and that was something that for me I I just wanted to look larger than life on stage and it it helps me because I feel as though if I'm wearing something that's kind of larger than life then I can feel brave enough to be larger than life Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to look at and I don't have to feel the pressure of being interesting constantly, um, which I, you know, sometimes get in my head about when I'm trying to, you know, be a front man or entertain the audience because it's something I'm really, really not used to having sung with, you know, 40 other people most of the time my whole life. So the outfits are really important to me and, and, and it's really fun too. I really enjoy that. That's one part of the process that I have a ton of fun doing as well, going out and finding stuff. I do a ton of research and finding different like boots and things and building different outfits and stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, they always come from little, little themes. I'll have like little names for them. Um, just to kind of like brand them and then save them. And, and now my closet's real full though. So I got to figure out a way to make that work. Like this takes up the space of like five jackets right? because yeah, it's so big. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, that's Did my that week. come from singing? Sorry, like the day. loud clothing? I, I don't know what better yeah. word to use than loud. Yeah, Sorry. no worries. Um, I don't know. For me, it just made me feel really comfortable yeah. when I started to sing in front of people. And <clears throat> like some of my first open mics would be really nervous. I would walk up there and I'd kind of like squeak into the mic and be like, hi, I'm Kristen. I wrote this on the bus. Here we go. Five, six, seven, eight. And then just kind of <laughs> like sing it for everyone and just hope people like it. And I couldn't even look people in the face. I would just kind of look down at the floor and get, or look in, or sing to God into the light, right? Like just, I, I couldn't handle it. Um, and slowly you get better. And if you look up and you see someone smiling at you, if anyone's ever in a bar, please smile at the musician because we see you and it really gives us a ton of confidence. It just makes you feel so good knowing that somebody's enjoying what you're doing and they're not just in there completely, you know, thinking that you might accidentally be like an iPod through the speaker or something or not knowing that it's live or anything like that. Although maybe if they don't think it's live, then maybe it's like really good. I don't know. But anyways, um, it gives you a lot of confidence when you look up and you can see someone's enjoying it. And they kind of give you this look. Sometimes you'll see people kind of shake their head like, yes, at you, like almost encouraging you. They're like, yeah, you're doing good. Like, you're fine. Keep going. Like, we like this. Right. So that's that's always really awesome. But the clothes started to come also out of um, coming coming into these huge networking situations where mm-hmm. you just be in a sea of people. And I was kind of thinking like, man, like, how am I going to stand out in here? And how how are people going to know? that I'm an artist when I don't have one of those personalities where I can just go up and hug somebody or or walk up to someone random and, and have a conversation and feel not awkward about it. Um, so that's when I started making the outfits, really, because I could, A, I couldn't find any too. First, I, I never really sewed before. I started looking for outfits um, in clothing stores and like thrift shops, things like that. But anything sparkly or decadent in any way is really expensive. <laughs> so uh, it came out of, you know, a budget need as well. Like I, I just, the time that goes into oh making it. Oh my God, hurt. right? Like on my free labor, like my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And my mom sewed a little bit. So at the beginning too, we'd, we'd kind of have a little bit of fun with it, making it together. And, and it started with like little things. I would do like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to attach this piece of silk to this belt 
So it kind of flows behind me. And my mom would be like, okay. So we'd sew that together. And I'd be like, okay, I want it to be like, now I want it to sparkle. So then I made one that's like <laughs> giant and red with like all these stones on it and stuff. And so it kind of snowballs, right? And I love fashion. I'm a huge fan of, of fashion. And so it's, it's kind of a, something that I got really inspired by looking at all the different designs that I see. And even the artists that I really look up to, I'll see them wearing really interesting pieces of clothing too. So yeah, it, it, it helped with that. It helped me feel confident in like just even social situations with this line of work, but also performing on stage. It feels like you're kind of putting on a suit of armor and then you can go out there and totally. do anything really. It's kind of interesting though, that you say, you know, you have a little bit of stage fright or anxiety going on to stage, yeah. but you are wearing things to stand out. Yeah. Almost contradictory. Yeah, yeah. I think because it makes, I think it just makes me do it. it pushes it's just you, like, okay, yeah. well, you can't not be like super confident if you're, if you're not, if you're wearing this, right? Yeah. Like, and it's always a little, a little bit weird, like walking into radio stations or like when we go out for lunch after visiting a radio station and I'm wearing like a, like a rodeo outfit basically with like all <laughs> rhinestones and like tight snakeskin pants and full makeup, like always have like jewelry on all these things. And you just get like major stares because it's super weird. But when you walk into the room too, I just feel like it, 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 it makes me feel like, okay, like this is, you know, this is part of it. Like it's part of, it's part of the music. It's part of the art that I'm creating. And this is, this is kind of what goes with it. Um, and it's a really good conversation starter. For sure. Yeah. Like walking around, people will be like, tell me about the jacket, right? And I'm like, okay, great. I can tell you a lot about the jacket. <laughs> right? So it's, it's nice. It's kind of a bit of an icebreaker and I have a ton of fun with it. I've got one that I, I found in a thrift shop the other day. I don't know if I should reveal my outfit, my new outfit. It's pretty cool though. Ah, screw it. I'll do it. Um, we were at a thrift store and I found a Vancouver Grizzlies hoodie. Amazing. Yeah. Not a big deal. Cause yeah, you guys are both basketball players, right? Amazing, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we went to my rhinestone lady today and I'm going to rhinestone the whole thing. So, so it's cool. all the emblem is just going to be like super shiny and do like a, like a sports throwback. Um, if anyone knows the outfit that Shania Twain wore to the Junos for the up album, um, she, she wore this completely sequined or rhinestoned out uh, Montreal Canadiens outfit. Oh, really? And then she wore to another thing, she wore like an Oilers dress with like a big rhinestone Oilers patch on her hip and things. And I just think that's so cool and so Canadiana and I, I'm really into that. So it was it was inspired a little bit by that, but then also by finding that sweater because it was a good quality sweater. Like it didn't look like it came from the 90s, <laughs> but I guess it must have, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun putting all those rhinestones on, but it'll take definitely a couple hours. So if anyone has any Netflix recommendations, I'm running out, <laughs> let me know. Do you, having this anxiety on stage going in, do you like practice outside of actual performances in terms of like stage presence and like movement around the stage and stuff like that? Yeah. I map it out. do you look at like some performers that you really like and take things from them and stuff like that yeah totally no I'll watch a lot of footage and I'll, I'll kind of have a look at where people are moving and when people are moving and mm. a lot of it has to do or at least the moments that I really like I watched a lot of um actually I think Taylor Swift is really good at it mm. if you watch her stuff all her movements are choreographed like where she's looking when she's looking what movement is happening with the music and mm. then even when she's like having fun it's all seemingly like kind of structured in a way where it, mm. it, it appears like like the perfect mix of like choreography, but also having fun. So yeah, she's excellent at it, I think. Uh, so I watch a lot of that, but I also, for myself, I, I literally draw it. I'll draw little maps, little stage maps for each song. Okay. Yeah. And then kind of draw out where I think I should walk. Cause one other thing I ran into is cause I need to start exercising more is that I'd run <laughs> out of breath cause I get super excited. And then my songs are pretty high. So it's, uh, you know, like give me some like dance. It's like, like it's, it's up there. So it's, uh, you know, if you're doing that over and over and then I want to bend down, oh, it's like kind of embarrassing. Like I, I like squat to like shake someone's hand and I was like, I do one squat and I like can't do the second chorus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also mapping it out for purely logistical reasons yeah. to make sure that I have enough stamina to do it because it's, it's a lot of work. Like you, you come off stage and I, and I, I feel like it's, I've done like a 45 minute workout. It's, it's, you know, you're sweaty, you're out of breath. Uh, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel. So well, I think a lot I of those big out. performers like have like really structured routine, like workout routines, right? Yeah, I think because so. controlling your breath when you're singing obviously is so important. Yeah, I used to go especially like JLo when she's oh literally in a full body workout. Amazing, out there for an hour. she's incredible. Yeah, 
I used to go for runs in an <laughs> ocean park and sing at the same time because <laughs> um, I just would trying to get like my vocal stamina up, especially for your upper register, really, and not sound breathy. Like you can you can have it come out, but I still want it to come out with like character and intention and, um, you know, have the pitch be really good. And mm-hmm. I don't want it to just make it. I want it to be as good as the recording and dance and move at the same time. So totally. that's, it's hard to achieve. And I don't know if I'm there yet, but I definitely have gone for a couple of jogs and had a lot of people laugh at me for sure. But at that point, I just don't really care because I've got my headphones and I'm just like, you can, you're literally running away from them. So who cares? <laughs> right? And they're not going to follow you, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So I, I would do like, um, like Rihanna because she has a lot of really good beats. So you know, like, you're going to make me feel <laughs> It's a good running beat for me. So I, I'd, yeah, go by and get a lot of stairs. Also, if I'm alone at the gym, if no one's in my gym, then I will, uh, I'll run on the treadmill. And sing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Back at Commodore next uh, two weeks. Yeah. When was your first time there was a couple weeks ago? My very first time at the Commodore was, I think, a few years ago. And I sang a duet with uh, Chris Buck. He had a duet that was out at the time. So he asked me to come sing, sing cool. a duet with him. And that was awesome. But yes, this was my first time doing it, um, having my own set. A solo show, and I think my dad reminded me about a hundred times that Brian Adams had Brian Adams had performed there, and I love Brian Adams, so it was uh, yeah, you know, just living up to his pressure purely was was the toughest part. Uh, my dad's, I mean, not Brian Adams. Um, yeah, so it was just so exciting. It was just it's such a storied room uh, with all these amazing people who mm-hmm. performed there. You know, Brian Adams, but also a lot of other people, and having the opportunity so early on in your career to step on that stage and you know, give, give a performance was, was really lucky. And I feel really grateful for it. I think it's my favorite venue in Vancouver. Yeah. It's great. It's very, I thought it was bigger than it was. I was looking up capacity and it's like a thousand. Yeah. I thought it was 2000 for some reason. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's so intimate, but it feels big ish. feels like there's a lot of people there. It does. I saw, I saw Luke Combs there on like his First, I think I don't know if it was called Hurricane, but like yeah, when lucky. Hurricane came out, <laughs> that's awesome. So good, yeah, and so good live and hilarious live. Like his uh, whole band is just passing around a sixty of Jack the entire show. Oh my god, unreal! That's and so but cool. he's like crazy voice, yeah. such a good du- like a really cool dude, and that show is amazing. Yeah, but I'm assuming right. February fourteenth is going to be a little better. Oh well, you know, do you we'll and JoJo? What's that? You and JoJo? Yeah. And Sons of Daughters. And Sons of Daughters. Incredible. Yeah, I love them. They're so awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be a riot. I'm really looking forward to it. Right. It's going to be so fun. I got a, yeah, I have a really, really cool outfit plan, which I will not give away. So everyone check my Instagram instead. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm excited about it. I had people vote if I should do red or pink. Um, but the, and they voted red. So the only hint is, is that I didn't make it myself. I voted pink. I guess I lost. Ah, uh, dang it. <laughs> Maybe next time. Don't worry. I actually, it's like kind of embarrassing. I, I pre-made a pink outfit thinking people were going to pick pink and it's really cool. But then everyone voted red and I was like, dang it. <laughs> like, I can't wear that now. I mean, I could like realistically, who would forget other than me reminding them right now on your podcast. So now everyone remembers. <laughs> but uh, and on there those you Instagram go. polls, people can't. Oh, I guess they can. As soon yeah, as, they you, vote, as, they soon as you vote, you can see the percentages. Right. So yeah, messed up there, but that's okay. We're screwed. Yeah. You got to wear red. There you go. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. You posted yeah. something on your Instagram from, Com- when was Commodore? A few weeks ago? Yeah, it something was. Like that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That your friends were in the crowd crying. Oh my like God. That. That's my friend Shannon. And she is just, wasn't that just like the purest friendship <laughs> moment you've ever seen? Oh my God. Oh, hi Shannon. Because she listens to everything I do. And, and she's so great. She's just so completely like, just enthusiastically supportive of everything we do. And when I say we, I mean like every one of my friends mm-hmm. in our group. So she went to Dallas. That's why I know her. She's from Calgary. And uh, I have an amazing group of friends from there who are incredible writers. And uh, one of my friends is an incredible artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just there, like front of the line there. She was calling like the radio stations in Calgary being like, play karma for so <laughs> long. And she's just the best because it just makes you feel so good. And it's just the friend that, I like that everybody wants, uh, like the friend that I just like that amount of support. It just, I don't deserve her. She's so great. So yeah, she flew in from Calgary. It was her birthday, actually. January 16th was her birthday. So, um, she thought it'd be really fun to come to Vancouver because most of us are in Vancouver. 
And they, they, they got her nice and liquored up. And she came <laughs> to the Commodore. And uh, when I came on stage, yeah, she started genuinely, legitimately bawling her eyes out because she was so excited about it. I don't might have been the booze. I don't know. But uh, it was just such a sweet moment. And then my friend Kaylee also had her arms on top of her and kind of smiling. Look, I mean, she holds it together a lot better. She's definitely, she's, uh, she's our like, you know, the like, ride or die like she can hold it together in a, in a situation like <laughs> Shannon might maybe not so much but uh yeah it's uh it was so sweet and just so cool to see it because sometimes you look out and you try and see people and people be like did you see me and I'm, like, I'm kind of like I don't know because right? it's like like I was saying like the lights kind of blind you sometimes and I could see maybe the front row and um I could see them a little bit and it's always so much fun so great to see them having a good time too if I see anyone crying on the 14th, I'll go give her a hug and say, yeah, right. say hi, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. I've heard so much about you. Maybe she'll fly in. Who knows? Oh, my gosh. I, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, she's she's awesome. Yeah. And she took a couple of pictures that I posted there as well. So, yeah, she's always great for that. She'll take, like, social media pictures. But I got to be honest, like, sometimes they're a little bit blurry because she gets too stoked. And she'll be, like, you know, fist pumping a little bit or something. And it just comes in. She always apologizes for it, too. She'll be like, I have these pictures, but they're not that great. But I love to have any photo because for a while when I was doing gigs, it I would walk off stage and I'd want to post about it or, you know, tell anyone about it even. And I had no photos because totally. you're on stage. You can't just take a photo of yourself. Totally. I mean, maybe you could do a selfie at some point or, or something like that. And then, you know, like, God bless my dad and mom, but they, they would try their best, but maybe not get the best photos. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Um, but they, they've gotten better for sure. They definitely had some good ones, you know, just to... Just to make you just sure got to start taking other people's phones in the crowd, like Dallas, and taking yeah. selfies with them. You know what? I've had little visions, and I'm nervous about breaking someone's phone. So I'm like, totally. if I grab that, it's like, oh, man. But yeah, totally. And that's always really a cool concert People memory. People start throwing them at you. Really? Like at, at Dallas, in at Sunfest, I think. <clears throat> like frisbeeing a phone at him? Well, there, there's like a usually a bit of a gap between the stage mm -hmm. and people. So that yeah, for the benefit of mauled. everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so they're just like tossing phones to him. Oh my god! He caught most of them, luckily. But yeah, I'm assuming the risk. they break almost every show. Like someone breaks the phone every show. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't like. There's lots of concerts I've been to or we've been to where people like you come out with that little like when the screen turns to snow and you're like, oh no, <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> that sucks. It also has a really pretty sound. I don't know if anyone's ever heard their phone crack. <laughs> I've heard mine. It's kind of like a little like D -d 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 -d. like it's kind of like tinselly. It's it's kind of nice. But, but it's expensive. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. What else is going on for 2020? So looking forward to a couple performances. So I have a couple festivals in the summer um, that I'm really looking forward to and also putting out some new music. Can you announce them? No, I don't think so. Not okay. yet. Yeah. Hopefully when they'll, they'll get announced, hopefully soon. But yeah, I'm heading around. Heading around to places, and you'll see me at places. <laughs> but I'm really excited to be at those places. It'll be good. Uh, and looking forward to, yeah, putting out the next song. Um, really excited about that one. It's another co-write from Marin, so that's cool. really cool. Yeah, if she wants to keep sending them this way or her publisher keeps sending them this way, I'll, I'll keep taking them. So, yeah, just kind of we're crafting that one right now, actually. So yeah. When will that come out? I'm not sure yet. Determined. Hopefully in a couple, like maybe a couple months, but it always changes. So mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully sometime this spring. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Thank you. I'm a big fan. I just found you on Instagram. I don't know how I did. Maybe it was like a Dallas comment or something. I can't really remember. Yeah, but maybe. Phenomenal voice. I'm a big thank fan. You. I'm really looking forward to seeing you on the 14th. Yeah, thank you. And JoJo, because I've never seen JoJo live too. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's great. He he's, he has this great nickname for me too. He calls me K-Money. <laughs> it just makes me feel so cool. Like I've never felt cooler. He comes up and he's like, K-Money. Yeah. And I'm like, I am so cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> he's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, thank you for that having me. It was a lot me. of fun. Very great. good to meet you. Yeah, you too. Uh, check out Kristen Carter's music at... Kristen Carter on yeah, Instagram. Kristen Carter Music. Kristen Carter Music. Yeah. And listen to the single on Spotify. Thank you. Karma. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>